Eddie, last time you were here, it was with Motorhead, and uh, now you're with Fastway. Um, how's it been going so far? Well, actually, we've been very lucky. You know, we've had a, we didn't have too much success in Europe. It was a bit early. I think the European people and the English people didn't take to us uh, as quickly as we'd have liked. But uh, we came to America and uh, took off like a rocket, really. I mean, for the first album we've done, we got up to number 31, and uh, which is a, a, a big change from the Motorhead situation, which. Uh, you know, it was uh, nowhere. You know. That's true. Have you been watching the charts on the LP? Uh, well, yeah, pretty pretty much so, yeah. Sure. Especially in the early days, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been in the charts for like 28 weeks now, and uh, the highest spot was 31. So. Do you have a bass player yet on the on the LP? There was uh, nobody named. I assume there was somebody playing, but uh, nobody yeah, named. A, well, what happened was Pete Way, who I formed a band with, hence uh -huh. the name Fastway. He went off to join Ozzy Osbourne, so we, we got a session man in to do it. And uh, unfortunately, the record company didn't list his name on the, the credit, so it appears that it's a three-piece, but in fact, mm -hmm. it's a four-piece. We now have uh, Charlie McCracken, who used to play with Taste, playing with us now. Mm -hmm. You're listening to The Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. <laughs> Welcome to the end of the month album review. Sonny, this is a listener pick for this month. It's the final album of the series for the entire 2023. Man, it's been a short year. This year has come and gone quickly. We've already gone through 11 albums. This is the 12th album. We saved this one for last because if I'm not mistaken, this was the highest rated listener pick out of the two albums that we gave folks a choice of. Is that correct? Yeah. I remember we gave people four choices and Triumph was second, right? And we just put that out and Fastway had won just by a sliver. And uh, yeah, thanks this is what I need to say on that. All right. Well, don't tip your hand yet. We'll get into all that. But we've got a first-time guest to the Grown Up Rock podcast this month. So that'll be fun. He'll get to uh, listen to you shit on uh, a great record. How fantastic will that be? I feel bad when new people join us. Welcome to the Grown Up Rock podcast, John Verno. What's going on, John? Hey, Sonny. Hey, Stephen. Thank you for the invite onto your uh platform and i look forward to dissecting fast ways debut it's a uh, near and dear to my heart and i hope you two enjoy it as much as i do all right so john you're a fellow pantheon podcaster uh you have the metal mayhem roc podcast right that's us and you got a lot of uh, stuff going on there at metal mayhem you got a podcast a radio show a YouTube channel, all kinds of stuff. Can you tell our listeners, since this is your first visit to the Grown Up Rock podcast, a little bit about what your whole thing is about? Sure. Uh, Metal Mayhem ROC. The ROC stands for both uh, slang for rock 
and up here in Rochester, New York. That's where the show originates from. And like you just mentioned, we have a three-headed monster platform, weekly podcast, weekly live radio show hosted on Metal Devastation Radio, and a Metal Mayhem ROC YouTube channel where we create interviews for different bands and whatnot. So keeps us busy, to say the very least. Right on. Growing up, what was your music of choice? Were you always a metalhead or what? Well, the gateway band was Kiss back in 75. Before then, it was a little bit of, you know, when you're 10 years old, Barry Manilow, um, Olivia Newton-John, whatever was happening at the time. But I was in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, got into Kiss. And then the real kicker, I had an older brother that was four years older. So going through his albums, getting into Nugent, getting into Rush at a young age, um, you know, Van Halen, Molly Hatchet, a lot of that stuff. So it started back in uh, 75, 76, and it hasn't stopped. Yeah. So, John, I think you and I talked briefly, and I believe that you and I are roughly the same age and on that same musical plane, whereas Sonny is three years behind us, if I'm not mistaken. We grew up liking a lot of the same type stuff, a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal, that kind of thing. Those were sort of our gateways. It sounds like you may have even started getting into music, at least heavy music, slightly earlier than I am. I'm 56, and my introduction was arena rock, the 70s arena rock, REO Speedwagon, Styx, you know, like I said, Rush, a lot of that stuff, 75, 76, 77. And then the new wave of British stuff started a little later. Right on. So today's record is Fastway. Were you a Motorhead fan? Yes, I was. Got into Motorhead around 80, 81. Some of the older kids were jamming it on, you know, the school bus. And at the time, it was the heaviest thing ever. So, you know, yeah, I was a Motorhead fan, Angel Witch, all that Euro stuff, all that UK stuff. All the stuff Sonny hates. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Terrible. How about UFO? Were you a UFO fan as well? No, actually, I wasn't. I just never gravitated. Not that I don't like them. Now with my team, we do on Metal Mayhem ROC, we have, just like yourself, specialty shows. And we've taken deep dives into the UFOs. And we have a history of metal running series. And my two co-hosts, Metal Walt and Ian O'Rourke, these guys are big UFO fans. So I've learned throughout the, the show. But I wasn't a UFO fan back in the day. Yeah. And did you enjoy Motorhead right when you heard it? Because when I first read about Motorhead, I read a lot of, you know, oh, this band's killers, that kind of thing. But when I first seeked out Motorhead as a kid, I didn't like it. You know, I mean, I couldn't get past Lemmy's voice. I didn't like the way he looked. I was just like, man, this this band is not for me at all now as i got older i grew to like some of the stuff and i grew to tolerate lemmy's voice but it's a little rough i gotta listen to it at certain times but i respect it nonetheless well how it started with motorhead is that they the imagery they just look so cool it just looked so metal <laughs> and when you listen to it and you're right 
the heavy metal palette wasn't mature at the time. So it took time to grow into Motorhead. Now, you know, it's an old friend. Yeah, I hear you. Sonny, I know, was not into any of that stuff. And and still to this day, I think it's really, it's just not his bag. Sonny's much more of a, he likes singers. He likes singers and he likes melody. Yeah, singing and melody is is it for me. Like, I, I, I can't really tolerate any music now that doesn't have that. Yeah, even back then, though, you weren't much of a tolerant of it. No, and the three years is a lifetime. I'm coming into music as Rat and Motley Crue's taken off. Like, Motorhead is not even in my bang zone at the time. Yeah, you grew up with the MTV generation. Yeah, yeah. Please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. So, this year, we've been celebrating albums that were released in 1983 so celebrating the 40th anniversary of these albums, we've run the gamut this year on genres, really, because it hasn't all been hard rock. We've done everything from Huey Lewis and the News to Rod Stewart to Ronnie James Dio to Metallica. I mean, we've really picked a diverse group of albums this year to celebrate. There would have been a lot of albums that were released in 83 that would have been fun to do. But I think when Sonny and I were choosing these records to do this year, we didn't want to just keep doing, you know, the norm. I mean, we could have chose a bunch of records that were sort of like par for the course for this podcast, but we like to expand and and kind of branch out a little bit still staying within rock and roll but definitely not all hard rock and it's it's been an interesting run this 12 months we're finishing up this year with fastway next week we'll release an album ranking episode where sunny and i are going to rank all the albums that we covered this year just he and i we're going to rank them personally as to what was our favorite least favorite etc uh, and that episode will release next week. But I think we're finishing up on a strong note as far as I'm concerned. I had the opportunity to see these guys. I got this record when it first came out and I was into it, but I haven't listened to this record in a long time. And it was interesting for me to go back and revisit it. John, what's your history with Fastway? And this particular album in general, this debut album. Got into it as soon as it came out. Local rock station was all over Say What You Will and been a fan ever since. Did you have the opportunity to see the band live uh, on this first tour? Yep. So I'm open for Iron Maiden on the World Peace Tour. It was um, Iron Maiden, Fastway, and Coney Hatch. A couple years later, saw them open up for Rush in 84. You know, so, yeah, I did see the first two. Yeah, that would have been a band I would have loved to have seen. Coney Hatch. Oh, Canadian. Yeah, Canadian metal. Never saw Coney Hatch. Would love to have seen them. Sonny, what is your history with Fastway and this debut album in particular? Yeah, I remember hearing Say What You Will, right? It was a big uh, hit on rock radio. I really didn't even know who Fastway was. I didn't even know who sang Say What You Will really. 
until the trick or treat movie came out. Right now you got, I'm a kiss nerd too. So I'm on the trick or treat movie and you figure out that, oh my God, this is like a fast way record. Who the hell's fast way? And then somebody says, you know, they sang that song, say what you will. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go to the record, local record store and I buy this double CD that had Fastway and all fired up on it. So by the time I get that, it's probably late 80s, right? That's when they most likely re-release that. I probably gave that double CD a full listen one time and then, you know, threw it in the drawer and didn't listen to it again until, uh, and I've heard some of these songs every once in a while, but didn't listen to it again until probably about two months ago when I knew we we're going to start listening to this or talking about this. And I'm like, okay, and I'm, I got to sit down with this record, listen to it. And then I still, two weeks ago or two months ago, didn't know anything about Fastway. Do a little research. I'm like, oh, my God. Motorhead UFO and Humble Pie. I think I'm going to die now. I don't think I can get through this record. You know, it didn't sound like Motorhead, thank God. So I got through the record several times. Don't get me wrong. But I see those three names on a marquee. I'm running the other way. Like, that's bad for me. Yeah, I think if I had to... If I had to say which one of those does it sound most like, my thought would be probably Humble Pie more so than Motorhead and UFO. Not that it sounds like Humble Pie, but that's probably closest to what it is. I mean, it's it's bluesy rock. What do you think, John? What's your thoughts? Well, Pete Way never recorded with him. He was just in the band as a, he didn't record the album, and I'm not sure how much writing credit he had on it. And yeah, they're a seventies vibe band. Yeah, they're a they're a, not a like Grateful Dead jam band, but there there's a lot of room for that music to breathe. It's drums, Jerry Shirley on drums is fantastic, and it's uh, it's bluesy. It's yeah. the one eighty from Motorhead. Yeah, and we'll get into each of the songs as we go through it track by track, and we'll get into some of the basic facts. Sonny, I'm guessing you never had the opportunity to see this band live, correct? No, I went back to the archives, never ran into them. So either they were done touring by the time I got to the clubs in 88, 89, or they were too big for the clubs and I never saw them, and they were never on any of the hair metal stuff, so I would have never saw them. Yeah, they had a short shelf life. Yeah. So they were, by 89, they were well after that. How did you come together in the first place? I mean, um, I guess the real question is, why did you leave Motorhead? Well, it, it all happened in Toronto, actually. We were recording here with the Plasmatics to do a sort of a joint single effort, and uh, it was it didn't work out at all. And I was trying to get it across to the guys that I didn't think it was very good, and they, they, they thought it was fantastic, you know? <laughs> and then that was like... I said, oh, well, it's time to leave, you know, and uh, he said, okay, off you go, so um, off I went. Was it that fast, or did anything build up to that, you know, I mean? Uh, well, there was a few things over the previous sort of six months, you know, the Iron Fist album and stuff like that. Was some, it was starting to break down a bit, you know, the relationship mm-hmm. between the three of us was breaking down. All right, so let's get into some basic facts about this album. Debut album from Fastway was released in April of 83. It was recorded in London. Uh, length of the record is around 42 minutes. The label was Columbia Records. The producer was Eddie Kramer. So Eddie Kramer's done a ton of stuff. I mean, he's a very famous producer at this point. 
John, do you know what other stuff Eddie has done? Because I know he's done a ton of stuff. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he? Well, yeah, everything. Wasn't he involved with Kiss for a while? Yeah. The peak position of this album on Billboard's 200 was at number 31. The original band consists of Dave King, Fast Eddie Clark on guitars, Jerry Shirley on drums. And then they, like we said, when we talked about a little bit earlier, Pete Way, the original idea behind the band was it was Fast Eddie Clark coming out of Motorhead, uh, which was an ugly breakup. And then you had Pete Way, who was coming out of UFO. So the band was Fast Way. But Pete Way, if you've listened to the stories, and and there's a whole bunch of different stories and different things that were made up. Some people say Pete Way left the band to join Ozzy's band, but then he didn't last like an hour and a half in Ozzy's band. He ended up creating Wasted after that. But Pete Way was notorious for having all kinds of issues, drinking problems, drug problems. They said he never showed up at all. Once Fastway got their record deal, when it was time to start recording, he never showed up. So he's not on this record at all. And I really don't know that he has any writing credits. The band is basically... The album is credited as written by Fastway, but I don't think he's part of that. I think Fastway at this point is Dave King, Fast Eddie Clark, and Jerry Shirley. Now, they bring in some session players to play bass on this record because Pete Way is not on the record at all. In some of the wiki notes, this guy, Rafael Benitez, ended up playing bass guitar on some of the stuff because he worked at the studio. (laughs) And so he's uncredited, but was there. And so just ended up playing bass. They also bought in a couple of session players to also play bass. They ended up finally settling on this guy named Charlie McCracken to play bass. And that's the bass player I saw because he was the touring bass player on this first tour. I had the opportunity to see Fastway live, I think, open up for, I want to say they opened up for Rush uh, when I saw them on this first tour. I may not be remembering that correctly, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Uh, and it was definitely the first tour. Uh, I got pictures and I met the band at the hotel and have all these like cool photos and stuff. So... Basically, what I remember about them live is that they were a decent band. I don't think anything special. They didn't blow my socks off. I just thought they were pretty good. You know, they're just a good rock band. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting history with this band. John, do you have anything to add to all of that uh, history with the band? Well, I going back from what you said, Fact checking, I be- I saw the Rush Grace Under Pressure tour in '84 and Fastway open, so it may have been a continuous tour because All Fired Up came out very quickly after the debut. That may have been just uh, you may have thought it was the first tour, but the first tour turned into the second tour, and um, I thought they were uh, like like you said, th- there really wasn't anything special about them. 
But what I once we get into the album, I'll reiterate this point. They were more of a live band, I thought, than a studio band. And they just delivered. They came, they did their music. I remember they sounded good. That's what the appealing thing about them. Yeah, it's not like they came with theatrics or, you know, explosions or anything like that. They were an opening band. That's right. So let's talk about the album cover. So the album cover is pretty, I mean, to me, it pops right off the page, right? You got the checkerboard print with Fastway across the cover in big font and looks like sort of raceway font type thing in red letters. Sonny, what are your thoughts on this uh, album cover? It pops, yeah? Yeah, I like the red off the black and white, like the checkerboard idea, but that could say in and out burger and you'd be fine. That could say apple and you'd be fine. Like it's just a good color scheme. Red, white, and black always works. I was more interested in the back cover because Dave King actually looks like he could woo the ladies. I don't know about Fast Eddie, but he's looking a little, a little rough. He's not what you call a handsome man. <laughs> I don't, I don't think this band was necessarily handsome at all. But Dave had something to him. He could woo the ladies, looks like. Yeah, you know. Now, now Sonny's right. Dave wore those white pants. Uh, he had a little bit of a pre-hair metal look to him. He had that red hair. He was, you know, it's, he was a good-looking guy. But, you know, Fast Daddy's coming from Motorhead. And Jerry, you know, how how old is Jerry at this point? You know, so... Yeah. That's right. But, uh, I mean, that album cover, you, you can pick it off of the rack anywhere because it just sort of sticks out being what it is. John, what are your thoughts on that album cover? Oh, it's definitely a stock theme going with the name of the band. Fast Way, it was a little too easy. The checkerboard, you know, they had that theme and then the next one all fired up. So they stayed with it. It probably was a good merch uh, worm to sell stuff. Uh, you know, nice checkerboard shirt with Fastway. So I don't think it was anything groundbreaking, but it was better than just a black album that said Fastway. Like what you're hearing? Share this episode out. Post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. It will help us grow and we greatly appreciate it. Okay, so we start the album with Easy Living. You Got Trouble with a capital T. I cannot believe I actually read that in the lyrics. John, I thought it was interesting because, like, the entire song is the chorus. That's a little oddball. Well, the song, Sonny, is only 247. It's not that long. You know, yeah, it's it's just one big 
opening riff and it stays in its lane. It's an opening song and it's, it opens the concert. You know, it's actually it didn't, but it's a, um, it's an opener. Yeah. And did you think John, that Dave sounded pretty good? Like you liked the song overall? Yeah. I thought it was a great way to start the album. He has a, a kick-ass voice. It's very clear. You know, again, this is coming on the heels of, uh, you know, Zeppelin ending, the 70s ending, but a very uh, attractive voice, if you will. Yeah, Stephen, for me, I thought Dave sounded great vocally. I just, the song's okay. I can understand why it was one of the singles. It just didn't blow me away. Uh, I liked it. It's a lead-off track. It's what you want from an opener. You know, it kind of comes out and kicks your ass. To me, the first impression's for me with dave's voices is he's very plant i mean it it reminded me a lot of robert plant's voice i like it like john said two minutes and 47 seconds in and out that serves the purpose for an opening track this isn't the first song i heard because they released that say what you will way in advance so that's the first opportunity i think i got to hear from fastway but once I got this record, I'm just like John. I picked up the record right away and on the strength of Say What You Will and enjoyed that opening track. You know, the thing with this opening track is literally the first three seconds. You know, it starts back in the day. You put the needle on, and it gets right in there, and it's easily consumable. It's You're not overthinking it. It's You're instantly toe-tapping. Dave comes in, and sure, Sonny had some cheesy lyrics, but it was 83. And it just, uh, like I said, it stayed in its lane, and it was, again, it was easily consumable. And I don't mind the cheesy lyrics. I'm a Kiss fan. You can't mind cheesy lyrics. All right, so the second song we got, Feel Me, Touch Me, Do Anything You Want. Okay, before I even listen to the song again, I'm like, you got me with the title. This title is awesome. Okay, I was also happy, John, that two songs in a row, not a touch of Motorhead, thank God. And I like the cool guitar melody on this one. So what did you think about Feel Me, Touch Me, Do Anything You Want? That's a great question, and I'm going to get into my answer because what attracted me most about, one, this album, and two, this first side, the first five tracks, is the sequencing. This is, again, a live band. In this first one, two, and then moving forward, third track, it just screams live. It's just like the easy living ends, and then bang, feel me, touch me starts. And David King's just out there. And can you not just visualize him up there with that mic stand singing and just, you know, controlling the crowd? So this song, uh, like I said, it gets right to it. A killer guitar tone. It's just, um, they're in the pocket, is what I'm trying to say.
And Stephen, for me, you know, after reading the Motorhead UFO Humble Pie thing, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do because I hadn't heard this album in so long. But both of these first songs actually had a bit of bad company to it. And I do like bad company. So I was like, well, maybe this album's not going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I think more so than bad company is free, uh, which obviously yeah, that comes from it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that was more the vibe I got was that little bit older tinge than the bad company. So, so free for me. And honestly, yeah, I'll second what everybody else is saying. The one two punch of these first two songs was great. Let me ask you guys this, and I'll start with you, John, and, and then Sonny. But to me, the beginning riff of this almost starts like say what you will for me. I mean, it it goes away from that pretty quick, but the very like first few notes of of that riff when that song starts reminds me a lot of "Say What You Will." I like it. What do you think, John? Well, I've never really noticed the similarities to the actual riff of "Say What You Will," but a lot of these songs are just riff driven. So it's though those opening riffs are catchy. And it stays within the song. And then what's sprinkled in there is, again, that 70s Zeppelin-ish kind of blues wah-wah guitar. And obviously, this is what, you know, Fast Eddie was the 180 to Motorhead, the toned-down stuff. But no, you're right. It's um, it's catchy. It's, again, I hate to use the same term, but it's easily consumable. Do you hear the similarities, Sonny? Not in like uh, so much as notes. What I would say, what I heard from Fast Eddie is instead of the j j j j j j, right? It's there is there's actually a guitar melody instead of like a riff, right? So that like he's got some the way he writes riffs are more of a almost singable melody and it's part of the guitar riff and I guess you just call it guitar melody. And that he does in several different songs. It's just in Say What You Will, he hits something that's so memorable that it's ridiculous. And then when you even hear a tinge of that, it's like, oh, that's where he got that from. That's that's Fast Eddie guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next song we got, the third track, is All I Need Is Your Love. And I spoke too soon because this Motorhead written all over it. John, I got to be honest with you. This was a tough song to get through for me. Very tough. I don't hear Motorhead. I hear simple lyrics, great sing-along song. Again, Sonny, coming in at two minutes and 30 seconds. There's not enough room to get there. It's a straight to the point. Guitar scream Zeppelin. It is what it is. Why, Why do you say Motorhead? I just, there was something about it that I... And I don't know if I would say Motorhead if I didn't do the research the saying the guy's got a Motorhead background, but there's just, I couldn't get through the pre-chorus. I couldn't get through the chorus. Like the melody just bad. And Dave doesn't sound great to me in this song either. Get you 
gave it credit as a uh, sequence song because, like I mentioned before, the first three songs, they just come out and kick your ass. But, hey, wait, we chalking it up as filler? That's usually reserved for the backside. But <laughs> <laughs> Steven, I would say, no matter what I say about these songs, Fast Eddie's got something. Right, but it's to me, it's not going to be just about the guitar. No matter how great the guitar is, I mean, I got choice words about the latest Dokken album too, and it's got nothing to do with the music. It was just a tough listen. You like this song, Stephen? Any good rock band is always about more than just the guitar. It's usually about the guitar and the vocals for me, anyway. So, <laughs> I think this song has some good qualities to it. What I don't love about it is the chorus. I found the course was weird and I didn't enjoy the course, but the riff and the rest of it, I thought is all right. Okay. All right. Four song, another day. And John, this one started a little subdued, but then that first set of like, take me aways. God, that brutally, brutally bad to me. I was just like, what is going on? These are the same people that wrote Say What You Will? No way! Well, at the time, there's a lot of post-Zeppelin bands out there. You had Zebra. You had bands like this. Yeah, well, that first 45 seconds, that's all Zebra. Now, Zebra, Long Island, Three Piece, they had a couple staple uh, radio rock hits in the early to mid-80s, but again, They were coming off of that Zeppelin hangover. But I mentioned earlier before we went to air, the heavy metal forensics went to work. And we came up with an interesting tidbit here. Back when I first started hearing this song, Another Day, after the first part of the, um, what we talked about the first 45 seconds, when the guitar kicks in, it is a dead ringer copycat of a song by Motorhead that was released a year earlier on the Iron Fist album called America. And it's so similar that it almost has the same, now I'm not a musician, but the same pacing, the first, you know, 15, 20 seconds. And throughout the song, I did some research and comparison here. If you take away that first 45 seconds of the uh, opening mellow part, it's the same length as the song America, and the guitar solo comes in at the same time, and the song ends the exact same way. So maybe we have a little heavy metal homework to do, but there's there's something going on here. Did Fast Eddie mail it in? And the, the really interesting thing here was, again, on the timeline, this Fastway album was recorded probably January through March of 83. And just a year earlier, Iron Fist by Motorhead came out in 82. So, you know, what's going on here? But the song kicks ass.
Outside of my big conspiracy theory, Sonny, what's your take on this song? (laughs) I want to get Steven's take, and I'll share with mine as I get Steven's take here. So the take me away is bad. Steven, the song kicks in. Music's cool. I'm thinking there's some hope. And then the goddamn it's another day. It's another. I'm just like, oh my god, dude, this is so bad. And that's when I text you, going, "Why are you making me listen to this?" Look, it's a slow start to the song, but I think it rocks after it gets going. Oh my god, I second that. I second that. So, I mean, I yeah, there's some interesting vocal choices there, but I also believe that John is correct in saying that. There are a lot of bands with that, you know, that were trying to cop some of the Zeppelin vibes. And Fastway was just another one of those bands. John, let me back up a minute to what you were saying. I thought Zebra was a New Orleans band. They're Long Island band? Yeah, Randy Jackson, Long Island. That's what I was really under the impression. Yeah. All right. I'm going to look that up because I could have sworn, and I was born and raised on the... uh Gulf Coast. New New Orleans doesn't want to take credit for that shitty band either. (laughs) I got to look that up because I swore that somebody told me that they were like a New Orleans band. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never been a huge fan of Zebra. Uh, They're one of the bands that I just, I did not love uh, that much. So were you a fan of of them? I was a fan of them and... I just got word from headquarters, you're right, it was Louisiana. Yeah, they were initially based in New Orleans, uh, but they started playing more and more in Long Island. So I think I think technically we're sort of both right. But yeah, they originated out of New Orleans. No, I like Zebra. You know, they had those, like I said, those early mid-80s uh, AOR classic rock staples. Tell me what you want and... Who's behind the door? I I just never liked them at all. Each to his own. I'm just, yeah, I couldn't get into them. Okay, so the last song on side one, I guess I was going to say heft, but I guess I should say heft, right? Because there's a slammer at the end of that thing. (laughs) John, very Zeppelin. I get it. They're trying to get the groove. And if you didn't know, according to Webster's Dictionary, heft means to heave up or hoist. To test the weight by lifting. That's what heft means, by the way. What did you think about the song? Well, the great uh, question, because I was curious as to, after doing research for this show, was this the contribution of Rafaelito Benitez, the session bass player? Because that that bass line is uh, pretty tasty. And, you know, him and Jerry uh, Jerry Shirley doing the drumming, it, it starts a little slow, but it's sort of heavy. It's, uh, again, it has that concert feel to it that it has such a heavy jam type of song that, you know, you can almost smell the skunk in the air, if you will, like you're at a concert. About to start a little puff puff giving this motherfucker. <laughs> you down? I like the song 
great way to end the first side for those that remember when you had to flip the platters. Steve, I hear skunk, and I absolutely agree. Because <laughs> the last song was bad. This song is brutal. Brutal. <laughs> and then I read something about it evokes when the levee breaks. I hate that goddamn song. So that might be the reason I hate this. Dude, this song was so bad. The head. The free. Uh, uh, wow. Wow. I liked it. You're an idiot for saying the when the levee breaks is bad. It's terrible. You're, terrible. Freaking stupid. You've been smoking some of the skunk. <laughs> oh, my God. So bad. <laughs> so here's my comments on Heft. I just remember the first time I heard Heft, this sounded like nothing I'd heard before. That bass, that sort of bass line in the beginning, it just, I liked it. Again, very Led Zeppelin-y. Very prodding. I like the way it changed and picked up pace in the song. So you went from sort of that slow prodding sound and picked up. It may be a little bit longer than it needs to be, in my opinion, a little bit long in the tooth. But I think it's kind of a cool song. And I think it's a good closer for side one. Uh, so I didn't mind this song uh, that much. And, and uh, the fact that you didn't like it confirms that I'm on the right path to liking a good song. <laughs> All right. So we go to side two and Sonny's hoping it gets better and we get to we become one and John, okay, we become one is better than heft. That ain't saying much. I can tell you this because I cannot believe this is one of the singles. Wow. It was that good? Great way to start outside, too. Just a monster of a riff. 
and it continues the sequencing. Um, I love the song. Wah, 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 wah. It's power, man. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Stephen, what was happening to me? I'm listening to We Become One, and I'm like, all right. None of these songs are ever going to be super hummable. I guess I got to get over that. And I'm really liking the guitar work, but damn, it was so hard to separate from the shitty melodies. Like, I'm just like, I, there's no reason for me to ever listen to the song again. I am a straight up asshole. Hummable. John just hummed it for you. He hummed the guitar. Summertime ending. Yeah, we man. Become one. I love wow. the riff in this song. I dig this song, and I agree with John, man. This is a perfect way to kick off side two. I love this song. I love the pace. I love the groove change. This song rules, man. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> second song on side two. Give it all you got. All right. Starts with a good guitar melody. Really cool guitar melody, actually. So, I'm like, there's hope. And then I'm like, all right, I guess it was all right. Like that change up at about 150 in made it better. I just, John, I guess I kind of wish the guitar solo was a little bit longer in this song because I did enjoy the guitar on this song. Well, I tipped my hand about 10 minutes ago when I said they saved the filler for the side two. And this is my filler weakest song of the album. Yeah, there's nothing there. Has a just a few observations has a little bit of a skid row feel to it when I listened to it, even though it was uh, five years before then. But there was, like I said, the weakest song. There's nothing there. Give it all you got. It's sort of a mail-in. Easily forgettable. Thank God it's only three minutes long. Yeah, Stephen, this was just dictionary definition, barely meh. Like if I was to s- compare this to, let's say, white snake stuff from the same time frame, the white snake stuff eats this for lunch. I don't know, man. To me, it's just a fast moving bluesy rock tune. You know, I mean, there's nothing special about it, but there's nothing really to hate on either. It's just, I mean, I like it. I don't think it's that bad. And I like the fact that these songs, for the most part, are in and out. Again, and I'll say this overall about this record, but we're almost three-fourths of the way through it at this point. There's nothing necessarily special about this record, but for me, there's nothing bad about it. It just It's a bluesy, groovy rock record, and this song is just another example of that. All right, next song, we get to their most popular song, Say What You Will. 
And John, you talked conspiracy theory early. I'm going I'm to throw a conspiracy theory out there. There is no way that the people who wrote this song also wrote the first seven. It is impossible. This song is too goddamn good. They stole this from somebody, and that person got shot and got thrown in the river or something. Because there is no way the first seven songs are written by the same people. Maybe this is an uncredited Pete Way contribution to it. I can subscribe to that. It stays in line with some of those uh, tasty riffs that Fast Eddie does. Well, why don't you think they could have written it? Because it's too good. And I listened to seven songs that were not. All seven of those songs were not bad. You even liked some of them. So quit changing your own history. I actually, it made me laugh that you said that. I watched some movie. I'm going to stray a little bit from what we were talking about here. I watched some movie not too long ago where where they killed the drummer in, in the band who was writing everything because he was writing like he wrote their hit. And then they killed him off so they could get all the royalties from the end. What movie was this? I want to see this movie. I'm trying to remember. Damn it. I can't remember. It's like a B movie, but uh, damn it. I wish I could remember what it was. And I'm not so sure that it's not a show versus a movie, but it made me laugh because that's, oh, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was... um, are you familiar with that show, uh, Poker Face on Peacock? It's pretty good. Seek it out. It's it's not bad. It did real well. It's called Poker Face. It stars Natasha Lyon. Oh, okay. Uh, you know her. She's been in American Pie and a bunch of other stuff, Russian Doll. But uh, it's pretty good. One of the episodes centers around this band killing off the drummer and... Uh, uh, they do it so that they can get all the royalties and all the stuff from the hit song that he helped write. So it's pretty amusing. But anyway, uh, back to the song itself. Yeah, it's killer. <laughs> By far, uh, my my favorite uh, Fast Roy song. It's just such a great song. And yeah, there's nothing I can say about it. I love this tune. Radio staple to this day. Yeah. Falls under one of on the on our Monday night radio show, we have a segment called the OMG Block, where we play a song where you say, Oh my God, I haven't heard this in forever. Well, this is an OMG song and it still holds up. Bass is killer. Great riff. Can't go wrong with it. Okay, next one we got is You Got Me Running. 
and uh, or you got me running. John, kind of like what we were kind of saying about something else. It's just not anything super special. It's fine. I like the drums kind of fading in and building up at the beginning, but this is not say what you will part two. This is just me. What'd you think about it? My notes, great drums. Lyrics are downright dirty. Nice bass. And right behind, give it all you got is a filler number two. And then Stephen, for some reason on this song, Dave King singing, I heard early Jack Russell. That's what I was hearing. But then that's back to the Zeppelin connection, right? Yeah, most definitely had some Zeppelin. I'll tell you, my notes on this were interesting. I wrote that it has a free feel to it. So there's a section in this song that is very, it felt very free to me. Very Paul calls off. Just, yeah, it just. There was some riffage in there that reminded me a lot of Free. I also put on here that there were a couple places, and not just because of the title, but there were a couple places where it reminded me of some really old leopard, like off of On Through the Night, basically, like super old type Def Leppard here and there. All right. The second and last song we got is Give It Some Action. And, uh, John, I like the pace of this song. Is that good? Like the chorus wasn't great, but I like the pace of the song. How about you? Well, Sonny, at this point, we'll take any crumb you'll give us here. So <laughs> I'm here to say that. This is a song, let's see, uh, fun guitar, great live, I would bet. Zeppelin-ish with the Wawa. Jam at the end, close the album, great. But this is what we call a JAT. It's an acronym for just a tune. It's just a tune. It really doesn't stand up too high. doesn't go down too low. Unfortunately, well, I'll save my, my last comment for my end of the uh, my grading system, but it's a good way to end the album. The little jam at the end, it was like and sort of symbolism. They're all getting their yayas out, and, you know, Shirley's going nuts. Whoever's playing bass is in the pocket with them, and it's a fun song.
Dave, you're the uh, vocalist, you're the singer in the band, and uh, I guess this is you went from almost anonymity to, uh, wow, front and center at the uh, stadium shows. Uh, how, is you, how are you coping with that? Uh, fairly well, I think. I don't know. It's, you know, to, to uh, the other members of the band, I think they've all been there before, you know, and uh, they're really good to me towards that, you know, so at least I know that I've got... They're uh, looking after you on the road, yeah, well, you? keeping you out of trouble? As Eddie Smalls himself, <laughs> here, yeah. Well, you know, you've got three old, old timers in the band, you know, and they make up for the youngsters, you know. So uh, as long as I know I've got three good people behind me, I can just go out and do my own thing. What, how did you come to do the singing? How did you come to join Fastway? Well, uh, I was reading the sounds one day that Eddie, was big news to Eddie, he just left Motorhead and he was uh, looking for a singer. And uh, a friend of mine suggested, he said, why don't you, you know, send your demo tape over. So I did, and uh, two weeks later I got it. A telephone call from Eddie to go over and audition and all that, and uh, I was in the band then. Eddie, how many other people did you listen to? Well, I'd say about 200. Really? Yeah, we had hundreds of tapes. I mean, it was ridiculous, because you know, we were going for drummers as well, so with the drummers as well, we probably got up to about 350 tapes all in all. But uh, fortunately, when his tape came along, I could hear it straight away, and I thought, well, yes, this is the boy for the gig, you know. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight! Oh man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at growinguprock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Yeah, Stephen, I, I, I thought Give It Some Action was at least listenable, and I thought the guitar solo was great. I had a lot of notes on this one. That was my notes. All right. Okay, so the last song we got is Far, Far From Home. John, I'm so far. I'm so far. I'm so far. I'm so far. I'm so fucking aggravated. I'm so fucking aggravated by this time. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, dude. I get it. You're trying to be Zeppelin. This was a miss. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, it's a swing and a miss. And, you know, it was uh, considered a bonus track, you know, Mm -hmm. unreleased. Well, maybe it was unreleased and a bonus for a reason. Yeah, it is a mess. It's um, one of my official notes. Uh, Trying to be Zeppelin. It's okay. Then I crossed it off. No, it's not okay. There's a reason this was uh, not on the album. So the tribe has spoken. Thumbs down. (laughs) Steven, I thought the drumming was great, but uh, it was the vocal melodies that just turned me off. I didn't even really acknowledge this song. I mean, it's not on my original copy of this record oh okay. uh, this was a bonus record i mean i listened to the song I, i'm fully aware of it it's just a bluesy number yeah these kind of songs really don't make that much difference to me uh it's not something that like when i get to the end i'm done i don't i don't need this song at the very end uh so meh times two <laughs> so i want to get everybody's top two bottom two and final thoughts i'm gonna go first all right top two for me was say what you will and feel me touch me bottom two for me had a ton to choose from but i'm gonna go with heft and all i need your love now for the final thoughts i don't do this often i wrote out my final thoughts because i had to say it in a way all right so here's my final thoughts the production is amazing eddie kramer did his job well The guitar throughout the album is great. Eddie Clark did his job well. Dave sang what he was told to sing, the way he was told to sing it. Great vocal tone and phrasing. Dave did his job well. The overall melodies, which has always been the most important thing to me, except for one song, are complete shit. I have no reason to ever listen to this album again. If this is considered a rock supergroup, then it's a rock supergroup that doesn't know how to write songs that most people would actually like. And lastly, How did they write Say What You Will? Straight up, a blind squirrel finding a nut. (laughs) There you go. John, top two, bottom two, and final thoughts for you. Top two, put me on the spot here, uh, We Become One and Feel Me, Touch Me. Those are my top two. Bottom two are my fillers. Give it all you got, and you got me running. Oh, and that's an honorable mention, Say What You Will. And I hate to be that guy about all oh, the popular song, but I'm gonna. It's I like those other two better. Final thoughts. What I loved is sequencing. Bam, bam, bam. Sort of like a concert. 
very 70s feel, easily digestible. Dave King's vocals are awesome. The pluses, like you said, Sonny, the production is solid. The songs, I enjoy when songs have room to breathe. And again, the sec- uh, sequencing is a plus. The downside drops off drastically after Say What You Will. Overall, I give this album because it's a soundtrack of my youth and I loved it so much. I give it a 80 out of 100. I have to give it a B, mainly because everything that I mentioned, but I will go back and listen to it again because the one-two punch of this and All Fired Up is definitely a go-to in my catalog. All right, Stephen, top two, bottom two, final thoughts? All right. So my top two songs easily is Say What You Will and I Like Easy Living. Easy Living and We we Become One are kind of tied for me, but I'll go with Easy Living uh, because the lead-off track. Say What You Will, popular song or not, it's the best song on this album, hands down. It's probably the best song that Fast Boy's ever written, hands down. I mean, it's fantastic. So when you put that song up against some of this other stuff, like you've got Give It All, you got right before Say What You Will, and you got me running right after it. I mean, it it pales in comparison to that. My two bottom songs are All I Need Is Your Love and Give It Some Action. Just meh. I don't love the course on All All I Need Is Your Love and Give It Some Action is just totally meh. If we're going to include that blues tune far, far from home or whatever, then that trumps give it some action it probably trumps both of those songs honestly uh but like i said i don't even really acknowledge that my final thoughts on this record there's nothing groundbreakingly special about it but there's nothing really to hate on it's just a straight ahead bluesy rock album it's got some really bright moments on it with say what you will easy living we become one there's a lot of filler on it, having listened to this record for the first time and and I don't know how long this past week, just getting ready for this episode. The production doesn't stand up to today's time. And the, yeah, there's there's more filler on it than I remember from my youth. But it is a record of my youth and I still love it. And I'll still go back to some of the songs once in a while, especially Say What You Will ends up on a playlist quite often, as does We Become One. Both those songs and Easy Living end up on a lot of playlists of mine here and there uh, because it's great driving music. It's just good stuff, you know. All right, so let's connect it to KISS. Hey, Hollywood, you know what time it is. Let's connect it to KISS. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! So for the KISS connection on this episode, since we're in 1983, we're talking about 1983, we've been talking about 1983 all year, we're going to stick with that theme, and we're going to go with a song off of Lick It Up, but we're not going to go with the original. 
So we are going to go with a band called Sack Trick. S-A-C-K-T-R-I-C-K. Eccentric British Music Collective. The comparison is Mont- Monty Python with Musical Madness of Frank Zappa. So you can kind of get an idea of how crazy they are. The tagline on their <laughs> website is, this band could go far, but they sing songs about frozen desserts, so they won't. This song was released in 2005 on an album called Sheep in Kiss Makeup. So check out Sack Trick with their version of All Hell's Breaking Loose.
Oh my God. <laughs> I listened to this and I shared it with John and I'm like, holy shite. This guy's going to think we're freaking nuts because he doesn't, he doesn't understand. John doesn't understand the entire history of the podcast. Right. So he doesn't understand like Sometimes we're on the nose and sometimes we're way the freak out and left field. Well, this is one of those moments where we're way the freak out and left field. In fact, we're selling popcorn out in the fucking parking lot. So <laughs> this, yeah, this was, John, give us your thoughts on this version of All Hell's I have some notes. Uh, sounds like it was from the 70s. What year was this recorded? 2005. Okay. I listen to it and I instantly visualize I see a row of gospel singers chanting, All hell's breaking loose, like they're in church with the big hats. And then the Herbie Hancock keyboard solo in the middle. That's interesting. Around the four minute mark, it pivots into some kind of in sync vibe where they're, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But the best, Sonny and Steven, about this song is the boring snoring at the end. It was perfect because it was a bore. (laughs) (laughs) I like all those things you said. And I think that's why they had the boring snoring is to mock mock themselves. (laughs) One thing about this song is it wasn't completely boring. Interesting and different, but I don't know if boring's the right word. I think it just shows, and John, I'm always amazed. Steven's a Kiss fan, but he's not like a Kiss super nerd. I'm more of a Kiss super nerd, but I ain't like, you know, Scambatti and some of those guys. Those guys are super nerds. But it always surprises me how many people Kiss has touched and what genre those people are in and how they hear what they want Kiss to sound like. It just amazes me. Well, we're going to save that for another discussion because I have my <laughs> views on Kiss. <laughs> Everybody's got views on Kiss. Yeah. But like you said, that's for another discussion. This has been the 2023 album series. And other than the album ranking that Sonny and I will release next week, this puts a capper on the 2023 season, 40th anniversary albums. And John Verno, you were nice enough to come on for the first time and share your thoughts on the Fastway album. It was definitely a good end to the series. I appreciate it. Do you want to share one more time your podcast with our listeners before we get up on out of here. Sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you, Stephen and Sonny, for inviting me into your world. And this was a blast. MetalMayhemROC.com is our website. The podcast brand, actually, it's just a a media brand, MetalMayhemROC. Again, a YouTube channel, weekly podcast. You can find it everywhere. Just get up to uh, Pantheon podcast music group it's there thursday nights we have um we release new content and we have special in-house stuff we do too we have a special show called rock and roll detention where we'll take a deep dive into a subject or our continuing 
running series, The History of Metal. Started in 73, we're up to the year 1995. Talk about how things change. Again, guys, thank you. And uh, we have a tagline on our show. Maybe you could uh, adopt it. We always like to say, keep it heavy. Well, Sonny and I are trying to lose weight, so I'm not keeping anything heavy, even though I am. <laughs> I'm all about keep it heavy as long as it's not a new wave of British heavy metal heavy. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Thanks, John Verno. Sonny Pooney, do you have anything to add before we get up on out of here and put a capper to this series this year? No, thanks, John, for joining, and thank you, listeners, for listening. And uh, I know it was a very popular pick, and I I apologize for not liking Fastway, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest, so I was. There you go. Always got to keep it honest. Until next week, we are out of here. Thanks for listening. See ya. Later. That's the show. So let's shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Until next week. Always remember, peace, love, and rock and roll. Growing Up Rock is a proud member of the Pantheon Network. Pantheon is the place for music lovers. Check us out along with many other great music podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you're a Spotify listener, check out some of the killer playlists we have put together for your listening pleasure. Links to the playlist are in the show notes or just search Growing Up Rock playlist in Spotify. I have my microphone muted. You can still hear it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.